Yeah. It's just, just go to my <laughs> It's cool. <laughs> we're we're, like we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. everyone and welcome to Angel Talk, Reflections of an Ambitious Angel Mom. My name is Philip Kerrigan. I am the Executive Director of Raise for Rowan. We are the organization that helps families suffering through the loss of a child with funeral cost assistance and emotional support. I am joined by, as always, the Angel Mom herself. Say hello to the people, Bryn. Hello, everyone. And we are very excited. We're always excited when we have friends come in. We have a special guest. Please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Heidi Murray. Well, we're going to get into Heidi's uh, Heidi's role here and what she's doing here. This is a very special guest. Heidi, thank you for coming to the yes. podcast. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. So uh, as most of you know, we've been going through uh, the five stages of grief over the last five weeks, and we have actually entered into the sixth stage of grief, which is finding the meaning. So for those of you who aren't aware, this isn't just some rando topic that, uh, that Bryn and I made up. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, uh, there is actually a book out there. Uh, it, in 1969, of course, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross described the five stages of grief in her book on death and dying. This podcast is going to talk about the sixth stage of grief, and there's actually a book called Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief by David Kessler. He actually co-authored On Grief and Grieving with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross a little bit after uh, her original book. And it's really a moment where it's kind of trying to talk about what happens as you go to look for closure after a loss. Many people look for closure after a loss. Kessler actually argues that there are very few instances of just full-on closure. Uh, he writes that you can find a way to honor the loved ones who have passed. It can bring a sense of meaning to their death and help you remember them with more love than pain. And uh, he's not unfamiliar with loss himself. He wasn't just a he wasn't a psychiatrist who had a lot of clients, and he and he wanted to write a book. He has experienced he experienced a a ton of loss in his life. He witnessed a mass shooting when he was a child. Uh, about a year later, he lost his mother, and then he also uh, many many folks who listen to this podcast can identify he lost a 21 year old son years later, and so he wrote the book to help people fighting through the five stages of grief, getting through some of those stages, and then uh, really beginning the, um, the action of trying to find meaning or honor your angel or those who have passed in your life. So what we're going to do here, which is kind of neat, is we're going to sit down, uh, because Heidi and Bryn have a really hilarious introduction to each other, which is really fantastic. I can't wait for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you better. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, this podcast is over five minutes. Hilarious. Uh, well, I think but it's hilarious. okay. Okay. Very different. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Maybe yeah. my definition of hilarious is probably <laughs> yeah. too high. I don't want to set the expectation too high. So it's uh, funny-ish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, Heidi, can you? Uh, we'll start off with you right away. Can you talk a little bit? You're not just here because you're Bryn's friend, uh, but you also have have experienced loss in your life. Can you talk a little bit about, first of all, share the story of your angel, but then also talk a little bit about the loss that you've experienced in your life? Yeah. So um, my angel is actually Rowan. Uh, she Isn't that funny? Uh, it is. <laughs> uh, so I was 28 weeks pregnant, and 
Um, I uh, lost Rowan. I remember I was at work, and I remember I had this sick feeling in my stomach. And, you know, you, you remember that moment like it was yesterday. I will always remember um, that feeling of going in. And it was, you know, it was very hard. And I, I remember it was quite the process. And um, thinking at the time that there was no way I would be able to handle it and deal with it, I remember the nurse sent me home that night and told me um, to go in the next day. And I remember thinking, you can't send me home. Are you kidding me? And uh, But it was actually ended up being really good because I was able to process what was going on. And uh, I was able to speak with people that had been through similar experiences. And um, one was my aunt who had lost her baby at 40 weeks um, due to the umbilical cord wrapping around the mm. neck. And uh, I I had gotten a call from her. Mm. And uh, sorry. It's no problem. Totally fine. It's no problem. I remember I was getting prepared to go to the hospital. And I remember her calling me and saying, you need to hold your Rowan. Mm. And thinking, are you kidding me? I can't do that. And part of the blessing of having that time in between, you know, that night, which felt like forever, was that I was able to process these things. And um, and I will never regret making that decision. Mm -hmm. um, it was very hard. But it was very real. And... Um, I think I was going to cry. <laughs> it's totally fine. We I have remember, actually had that quite a bit. <laughs> I remember being in the hospital, and I remember delivering her like I would have delivered my other children. And uh, hearing babies all around crying as they're being delivered. And I remember thinking, why, why me? <laughs> like, this is not fair. And um, I held her, and she was beautiful. And she was absolutely perfect. And, uh, you know, we went through, the, you know, the whole process, and um, we, ha we had a funeral home, actually, um, they actually paid for the cremation, which was really amazing. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that is and, so nice. And um, a couple weeks after she had passed, um, the funeral home director actually showed up to our apartment. Um, we were living up in Seattle, and um, he he gave us a frame, and they had done her footprints on the frame and framed it with her birthday. And it was just really special, and it was really cool to see how much they cared mm -hmm. and I didn't know that anyone out there did things like that and it was really special and it, it really helped us and um, I think that at the time our daughter was um, three mm. and so it was hard for her as well mm -hmm. because she it's hard to explain to a three-year-old right um, why they will not have 
you know, why why Roan is gone yeah. and why she didn't come home. Uh, but we actually, um, we did something very special and started a tradition. We wrote little, we got balloons and we wrote little messages on the balloons to Roan and and we let them go in oh, there. Wow. And it, cool. it was this kind of, for so her, sweet. it was this um, being able to let go and yeah. and know that, you know, she's in heaven. And uh, it was a very special moment. I think it was helpful for her as a child, a young mm. child. Um, and so uh, a couple months after she had passed, we got... Um, the autopsy reports, and it turned out that she was perfect. They had no explanation as to why it had happened. Um, But through my pregnancy, we had, as a family, come closer faith-wise. And and I'm not going to get into it because it's a long story, but um, our, our faith grew through... Our pregnancy with Rowan and it brought our family closer together. Yeah. And so when I found out that they had no explanation, I I knew um, what her purpose was yeah. at that point. It was to do what she had done, even though it was for such a short period of time. I I do believe that that was her purpose. Wow. Um, was to bring us together as a family. Wow. Uh, and and that that was her sacrifice. Wow. You know, um, isn't that amazing? Yeah. I get goosebumps when you've told me that one other time. And <laughs> so, it's amazing. Um, yeah, that's really cool. But it was hard. I was, I, I mean, I, I, I couldn't get out of bed for weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I, my depression was deep. And, uh, but it, you know, you know, she had a purpose. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so you're living in Seattle at the time. Mm-hmm. And you, and, and how did you find your way? Uh, down here, down to Tonino? Uh, well, after we lost Rowan, about three months later, four months later, I got pregnant with my son mm-hmm. that we have now. His name is Clayton. And we, it was a very difficult pregnancy. I was on bed rest. I almost had him at 25 weeks. Wow. Uh, I... I scary had, too. I, I, it was really, really scary. Yeah. And I had a lot of complications uh, and... We were both working up in Seattle at the time, my husband and I, and we we realized that family was really important to us, mm-hmm. and all of our family was in Olympia. Okay. And so uh, we decided, as I was in the hospital on bed rest uh-huh. for the majority of my pregnancy, right. that we wanted to move back down here. So we um, bought our first house, and my husband asked me when I was heavily drugged <laughs> if the house was... Okay, and it was the worst house on the block, and it was <laughs> no one would buy it. It had been on the market for years and years and years, and but I was so drugged up, I said, "Sure, why not?" And uh, <laughs> and my son was in the NICU for um, a month actually because oh, wow. he was born five weeks early and had a lot of complications, oh, wow. and and so my husband was down in Olympia fixing up the house to be, you know. Prepared for him. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I was at the NICU, you know, for a month with my son, wow. and my daughter was down with him. Um, and then we just slowly, yeah, we we moved down, and 
decided that this is where we want to be. That's amazing. That's amazing. So then now you now you randomly, and I will say randomly, meet Bryn. Uh, talk a little bit about how you two met. Bryn, do you want to do you want to start? Why don't you well, start? Well, sure. So, well, where do I start? So since Heidi um, moved to Olympia, she then since moved to Tonino. So yes. our sons are actually the same age, Clayton and Wyatt. So they go to the same school together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and. Um, do wrestling together and I had never met Heidi before and I had never heard her story which is so That's ironic amazing, right? like, how is that even possible I don't know <laughs> out of I just can't believe I never heard Heidi's story yeah, especially since yeah. we live in a really small community yeah. and right. just the name similarities that we've both lost Rowan's and I know and doing what we do here you know I, mm-hmm. I felt like I knew everybody in the area that has lost a child but yeah. So I am sitting in the school pickup line to pick up my son. Yeah. And here comes this beautiful, tall blonde. (laughs) I see her marching up to my car, and I'm pretty sure my car was a mess. And I was like, oh, kind of hurrying and like trying to like turn down the radio and stuff because I could see her coming towards my car. Um, And I've rolled down my window, and she or did. I think you were standing there. Yeah, I was not. I, yeah, she I knocked. probably knocked on your window. Yeah, yeah, you did. She knocked on my window, and I'm like, oh, oh, God. Who are you? I, like, roll the window down. I'm like, oh, well, hi. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I'll kind of let Heidi take over from there, but yeah. she introduced herself. and Well, and so we moved into Tonino. Um, it's been, I think, like three years. Our, our kids actually went to um, Waldorf, which was in Olympia. Oh, and yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we didn't know very many people in the community, even though we lived here. And so we had decided to have our kids start public school this year. Uh, our daughter had graduated from Waldorf, and our son, um, you know, loves, you know, to socialize in sports. And so we, we decided to try it out. Um, and I started to get to know more people, but with that... Um, when we moved to Nino, we we live in a historic house and um, we restore houses for a living. Um, and so we're right downtown, and across the street is um, the Nino Hair Salon, Sandstone Salon, and there is a big, huge sign that is raised for Rowan, uh-huh, and uh-huh. it's been there since we moved in. And I yeah. remember, our you know Clayton, my son, and I were like raised for Rowan. Like, yeah, that's weird. Like, that's like Rowan, our Rowan. And Aww. so I had been wanting to meet Bryn. Um, but even though we were in a small town and you would think everyone would know each other, um, because our kids were integrated in the community, it just never worked out. And this is really random. But then uh, a year before I actually met her, I had found these angel wing ornaments that were pink feathers on angel wings and I had bought them and had even though I had never met her I thought this girl needs these wings you know Uh it is is meant for her and and then they sat in my house for a year yeah and then finally (laughs) our kids were going to public school and I remember having a mom was like oh hey that's Bryn and I remember thinking, that's Bryn. I'm going to go meet her because I think we need to be friends. And, and she totally awesome. marched right up with, like, yeah. a purpose. I love that. I love it. I love and I, I just felt like we had, even though we hadn't met each other, and I just, our stories aligned. And uh, I just, 
I love being around people that are positive and people that are wanting to make a, a difference. Yeah. And I just felt like I I need to know this woman, this oh, well. fabulous woman. Like she needs to be in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. That is fantastic. That's our story. But and when you told me your story, I mean, I was shocked. Yeah. Like, so Heidi's, con- you know, yeah. telling me her story and kind yeah. of just being open and vulnerable with me as a complete stranger. Right. Like, I right. lost my Rowan, too, and you kind of gave me a brief yeah. story of it. And I was just shocked that I had never met you before I know. as it's well. It's the craziest thing. I think it just goes to show that uh, you, <coughs> everyone has something going on. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And... You, you drive by my house every day, multiple you know? times a day. Yeah, and now and, I honk sometimes. <laughs> and, I, yeah, and if you don't, I see you drive by. I actually yeah. call her and I say, "You did not honk <laughs> or message her." But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it just goes to show that there, there are so many people that have their yeah. own trials and their own mm-hmm. hardships that we don't know about, right. and you make an impact on that. Well, thank um, you. Because of being willing to share your story and help. Well, thank yep. you. So, yeah. So. It's very neat. So your Rowan is Rowan with an A. Yes. Yeah. So we have Rowan with a Y and Rowan with an A. That's mm-hmm. that's cra- It's just such a crazy story. It's so yes. it's so mm-hmm. funny how you guys get, could have possibly been in each other's orbit for that long and then and then yeah. just finally meet up. That's really cool. Um, Heidi, we have been talking over the last five weeks about the different stages of grief. And one of the biggest themes, of course, is that they're not, it's not a linear path that you're on. You experience, um, you experience each of the emotions at one point or another. They randomly sneak up on you and, 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 and come into your life. Uh, one of the questions that, that I've asked Bryn a few times over these podcasts, uh, um, like, is basically, what are the more difficult ones? And for Bryn, yours was denial and anger were the two that you really feel uh, are the are the ones that upset you the most? Mm-hmm. Um, can you, Heidi, without going too, you know, you don't have to go too deep into yeah. it. But what what were some of the stages that you found were hard for you to deal with? I think for me, it was uh, the anger and the depression. Mm. You know, and it was the the depression was really hard for that me. That was the that you would yeah. probably classify that one. How come? Um, I, I just I think that uh, I already struggled with it mm-hmm. and. It, it just, you know, the anger also, I think maybe so, maybe more so the anger. Yeah. Um, I, I would get mad when I would see pregnant women mm. complain mm. about being pregnant. Yeah. And yeah. hate it. Um, and it took me a while to get over that. Yeah. And at the time I, my neighbor that I was really close with actually was in the hospital and had had her son a day before I had lost Rowan Mm -hmm. and I delivered Rowan in the same hospital. And I remember being resentful when I got home and she had a baby and I didn't. Uh, And, and so there was, and and she lived literally right below me. And I remember being so torn because I, I had this anger, but it wasn't, I wanted to be happy for her so bad, yeah. mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and it wasn't, it wasn't her fault, yeah. you know, but mm-hmm. it was hard. It was, it was, it was hard for me. It was hard to hear, um, you know. Yeah. Well, so. one of the things that I think is interesting about okay. anger 
and I don't know, maybe Bryn, you, you, maybe this is something I could be way off base here, but it sounds like there's the anger part. Like you are, you find yourself angry at a random person yeah. or at a person like yeah. that. And then there's this double anger because you maybe find yourself angry that you're angry. Yeah, yeah, yes, for right? sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is a little bit of that as well. I would get angry. Exactly. I, I was angry that she had something I didn't. Yeah. And I was angry at myself for being, for being angry. angry at <laughs> yeah. her. You yeah. Know? yeah. And then the depression would hit in. And yeah. it was just this this constant spiral. And, um, you know, you could probably relate to this, but after the loss, you have all this support and outpouring and outreach of people loving you and, and mm-hmm. showing that they care. And, you, you know, my mom had come into town from North Carolina. and mm-hmm. um, But then everyone leaves and the reality sets in and that's when the depression really really mm. really set in for me mm. um and it can be months or oh, even a absolutely. year later i mean when it really hits you hard yeah. because mm-hmm. yeah. people leave the cards stop coming the bills do. stop coming mm-hmm. yeah and that i mean you know that people still love you but it's very hard to be and then you have your significant other you know, and right. your husband who deals with it differently usually. Right, right. Um, and it's just as valid mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. my grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's managing all those things. And so. This, well, this is a, it, uh, sorry, this leads to another question that I actually had because we've talked about this before. We actually even talked about it during the five stages a little bit. Um, Bryn and her husband on different time, on different paths towards their grief. Uh, and yet they were able to stick it through. They kind of have found a way to, to, to make it work and be there for each other when the other one maybe slips and falls. Yeah. Uh, you and your husband are still together. Yeah. Um, and can you talk a little bit about maybe his timeline in grief? Did you did you you make it sound like you you noticed that he was doing it different as well? Um, yeah. You know, uh, so we're going on um, 15 years of marriage. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, that's an accomplishment. Uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good to do this. We only knew each other for a short time, actually, before yeah. I got pregnant with my daughter, and yeah. so it was a we're we're kind of a miracle couple. Yeah, but, fifteen um, years is awesome. Yeah. So what I what I found is that we talked about it a lot. Okay. And through that, it became easier for us to talk about it, and and we were very open about it with each other and so we supported each other a mm. lot and i think that that helped us get through it open about, actually, open, open about even your feelings like what yeah, you were going through at the exactly moment. absolutely yeah. and and i think that because of that it brought us closer yeah um i know that that sounds weird i think that for some people, when you have a loss, it could either bring you together or right. pull you apart. Right. Um, and we were fortunate to have it pull us together yeah. even more um, because it was something that we we just, you know, it was one of those moments that, you know, was really hard for both of us. Yeah. So I think that it's important to realize that and um, – and Dave, David Kessler talks about it in his book about how uh, the husbands go through it just as much yeah. and how it's important to validate that and not forget about it um, mm-hmm. because they're going through it as well. Yeah. 
and a lot of times they get pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was it was hard for him, but um, I think that us processing it together uh, made it easier. Excellent, mm-hmm. excellent. Okay, so uh, one thing we've done a lot with uh, with guests that have come into the podcast and shared their uh, shared their experience is ask them to bring a recommended book. Here's what's cool. Um, the book you're gonna, the book you recommend is a is a book that's pretty tied to today's podcast. So uh, Heidi, why don't you introduce here in Nerd Corner what your book recommendation is? Okay, so um, I thought that this was tied to the podcast because he already knew about it, but it turns out that <laughs> he did didn't, which I think is even more ironic. Yeah. Um, I was telling him earlier, it's kind of a common joke in my household because I do not read. And my daughter <laughs> is 16 and she loves to read. And mm-hmm. my kids joke about how uh, mom, um, reading magazines is not reading. <laughs> so, um, but... Uh, the one book that I have recently picked up, and this was actually a couple weeks before I met Bryn, um, was Finding Meaning, uh, The Six Stages of Grief by David Kessler, which is a book that Philip is, has been talking it's about. It's the book we're talking about. whole podcast. <laughs> exactly. So, um, again, it's it's the timing. It's, um, it's just too much of a coincidence yeah. to just be a coincidence. Yeah. And yeah. I discovered this book through, I was listening to talk radio, which I do every day. And there was a special guest on and it was David Kessler. And he was talking about, you know, the sixth stage of grief in his book. And I remember thinking, wow, that sounds amazing. And so yeah. I looked it up and I ordered it. And uh, it's, it's just, it's a really wonderful book. And mm. it's beautiful how he, ties in the meaning with with the five stages and you know creates this sixth stage um which really pulls it all together and makes Mm -hmm. purpose to you know what we you know go through Mm -hmm. so um so cool yeah Yeah. and i had never heard that concept until you brought it to me heidi and told me and i was blown away with how powerful that is because when you can find the meaning After you go through all these phases of grief, you can still be, you know, yearning or grieving for your loved one, but to find the meaning behind it or the purpose for your, you know, lost one's life, Mm -hmm. you really can start to heal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that we naturally do Mm -hmm. after it. We look for this meaning. Mm. We, We crave it. You know, we crave this why and this, you know. Right. Meaning of of why we have lost our loved ones. And so, but it has never been placed there, you know, um, as a official stage. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's a really wonderful book. And I love it because he, uh, he talks about, you know, he shares a lot of stories from mm-hmm. the people that he meets, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause he travels all around and he shares his own experience a lot. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, that rawness of sharing it with others and right. um, hearing the other stories and being able to relate um, to other people. And everyone's story is different. But there's a lot of really incredible stories in here. And so it's it's a really great book how it's laid out. And, yeah. um, and it's relatable to everyone. It really is. 
That's awesome. Yeah, and I got to tell you, uh, based on what I see in your hand, <laughs> you need to tell your kids you've read properly. You have I tabbed know. out your favorite parts. <laughs> I have. Yeah, yes, so I have. That's and, and good I, reading right there. I have so many highlighted in here. Bryn's going to be like, what? Because I'm telling her she could borrow it. She's going to be like. I'm excited to read it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. It, there are just so many parts in here that hit so close to home mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Which means that it probably hits close to home for a lot of people. It's universal. Not just me. Yeah. And that's beautiful, yeah. you know? That's really cool. It is. Yeah. Finding Meaning by David Kessler. Yep. There you go. Thank you for bringing that. Yeah. Yep. So uh, getting back to the questions, what we like to do is kind of circle back to where where you are now or, or how, where you were when you, f when you found the meaning. So this question is for both of you, but we'll start with you, Heidi. How important do you think it is to try and find meaning in your grief? So I think that it's it's really important. But before I talk about the importance, I think it's really important for everyone to realize that um, finding meaning is different for everybody. It's not uh, this flat, across-the-board, I mean, as beautiful as Bryn's story is. Right. It is not having... You know, this grand me, it doesn't have to be this grand meaning mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, for Bryn. That was her, you know, that is, well, I don't want to say that's your meaning, but um, it's such a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. But finding meaning could be something as little as remembering the moments that you had and holding on to those um, they could be very little and it just, it's going to differ between everyone. And I, I think that it's important to know that no one should be hard on themselves mm. for what their meaning looks mm -hmm. like, because it's all going to be different. And, and for me, I'm a perfectionist and yeah. I struggle with, um, depression and, and I think that, you know, sometimes it might be as little as being able to get yourself out of bed. Mm. Because you know that that person would want, want you to. You get to. Out of does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and and so, but on a on a bigger scope, getting into finding meaning, uh, one of the things that David Kessler did say that I um, I want to point out, um, it's in his fourth chapter, and it's the first step in first step in finding meaning, and really he talks about how the first step in finding meaning is actually acceptance, mm. which is the fifth step. Yeah, yeah. Because without acceptance, you're not going to be able to get to a point of finding meaning in your loss. Mm. Yeah. You have to be able to accept what has happened to be able to find the meaning. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that and, makes total sense. And I, I never really put it, I mean, reading that made it, very clear to me you know yeah. you, he, he says we will never be okay with it but we must accept it even if it's brutally or brutality and in time acknowledge the reality of it so i, I just i think it's interesting because it, it really ties them all together mm -hmm. um but accepting it is is a huge thing well i just want to say that when i did meet with you heidi and you told me about this book and you told me the meaning of your Rowan's life, like what her purpose was. You 
stopped me in the tracks because I had never heard that before. And mm-hmm. I'd obviously never read this book. And I think it helped me get to a different place in my grief where I could move forward a little bit. And um, the way you explained so confidently to me when you were like, well, I know exactly my Rowan's purpose. Like she led me and my husband to, you know, find our faith and come together. And that was her soul's purpose. It really made me stop after we had our meeting that day and think like, well, wow, like what's, you know, my Rowan's purpose and what's my purpose here on earth. And it really started to help me put things in perspective and start to kind of move forward in a different way too, because you're right. You do have to accept that no parent's ever going to like it, that they lost their child. Mm -hmm. You know, I say it all the time. Like I would give them anything to go back to my life where I just had, you know, my healthy daughter here um, and go backwards, but that's not reality. And I have had to accept that this is my life now and I'm going to do everything I can to still honor her and be positive and make an impact. Um, And you're right. Everybody's is so different. Everybody's purpose is so different. Well, because, and and people grieve differently, right? You know, Mm -hmm. and so it's important to never judge how someone is grieving. You might see someone grieve and they might not be as expressive. Mm -hmm. And you might think, well, because they're not grieving the way I am. It's, they're not, you know, they're They're in denial. Um, But I, I, I found that when I was able to discover the meaning of Rowan's life, I had this peace with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that this isn't going to be for everyone, but I, I didn't question it Mm. and I had this comfort and, and every once in a while I would feel this, um, I would feel bad because it was almost like I would feel guilty for having this peace as if I didn't, as if I didn't want her to be with me, which wasn't like you said, Brent, it's not the case. I would give anything to Um, have her. But so you can't feel guilty about having that acceptance. That's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. Like I would have this guilt sometimes. And then I had to just keep on going back and say, no, this is how I feel. And it is okay. It doesn't mean I loved her any le- less. Yeah. Right. So there is beauty in finding it because even though it will never go away, that mm-hmm. pain, those birthdays will never go away. Right. Those memories, because you don't want them to go to go away, but finding that meaning will bring you comfort mm. and a lot of peace. A lot of peace. Yeah. yeah. When did you start to allow yourself to find the meaning behind your loss? It was. It was. It took me a little while. I wouldn't say a long time. I feel like it was probably quicker than others. Mm. Um, it it took me a couple months, and and so that wasn't that long, really. Um, and again, I can't stress enough that it didn't mean that it wasn't hard for me. Of course, yeah, it was still super hard for me. But it 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 took me a couple months, and then I got pregnant. Like I said, mm-hmm. about four mm-hmm. months later. Mm-hmm. And, and then I really had this, like, sense of comfort because even though my pregnancy was horrible and I barely made it through, um, I have my son today. Mm-hmm. And without 
the situation being the way it did, I would never have him. Yeah, yeah. And so Good point. It, I feel like it. There's so much more than just Rowan in that one situation. Yeah. And that's where I say I feel like she sacrificed something, mm-hmm. and uh, and because of it, you know, we have our son today. Yeah. Uh, and so it was. I, you know, it was a couple months and then it was really, it started to get clearer um, when I got pregnant and was, you know, able to have my son. Yeah. What are some of the things that you do today to kind of honor Rowan's memory for the brief time that you had a chance to, to know her? And do you like include your family in on those moments? You know, my honoring, I think is, again, it's different. I think that we don't do things every year to celebrate. Um, I think for me, the way that I have found the meaning and the honoring is sharing my story Mm -hmm. and being really open and raw about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that there is nothing, it's priceless to share something that is so special and and private and private Mm -hmm. so private but so real and you know especially with stillbirths and miscarriages it is way more common than people realize absolutely people do not talk about it i know and so it was amazing when i lost my rowan how many people i did not know had Mm-hmm. stillbirths or miscarriages right. or infant loss. Um, and because of my experience, they were open with me and they were real and they were raw about their experience and their stories. And there was something so special about having that because it is so private. And so for me, a lot of my finding meaning is is being honest about it and open and sharing it so that people that struggle with sharing it um, – realize it's okay. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to feel like you have a loss. I think sometimes people are embarrassed or afraid to talk about miscarriages in stillbirths Mm -hmm. because it's not a physical, like, you know, it's not an infant that you've had for a year and a half or two Mm -hmm. years. It's not something that you have these memories of that are in person but the mem i mean the connection that you have any mother could tell you mm-hmm. is so valid and just as special right as anything else and so because of it's it just isn't talked about and i i think that being able to share it i've had a lot of people open up with me and i think that that is, you know, kind of how I keep her yeah. meaning going. Yeah. And yeah, amazing. It's, it's hard to be vulnerable anyway. So mm-hmm. I think when you can, right off the bat, let your guard down yeah. and share something that's really intimate and hard to talk mm-hmm. about, um, it will, you know, open doors for that other person to do the yeah. same. And that's exactly how I felt with Heidi when she shared her story literally within 30 seconds of meeting her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like, 
okay, here's this, you know, complete stranger. And she's just like opening up her whole heart to me right now. Yeah. And I think we cried a couple tears. Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah. hugged. And um, within like the first minute of knowing each <laughs> yeah. other. But then it's like, what a powerful relationship yeah. we just built on that moment yeah. of just meeting each other and then sharing that moment with each other. And um, it's a really beautiful and powerful way to connect with with somebody yeah on that level it is and along that line you know along the line of how I kind of keep honoring her um after I had the loss of Rowan um a year later a little over a year later um I lost my brother um in a tragic uh fire accident uh and then a couple years after that I had lost my sister, um, and she uh, had kidney failure. And wow. uh, so I always kind of would look up at my mom. She was this, just her her strength, and maybe that's where I get the unquestionable, yeah. Yeah. but her strength was so in- incredible because I, I would look at her and I would think, how? Like, yeah. how are you, yeah. how are you managing this? And, um, but... But one of the ways that it kind of all ties together is, um, you know, you talk about um, your sissy moments. Mm-hmm. And I don't have so many sissy moments with uh, with Rowan, but um, I have a lot with my brother. Mm. Um, oh, and we were that. really close. We yeah. were only um, a year and a couple months apart. And we we were just so we were so close when we were little but we were very different and he struggled with a lot of things um but the accident was um it was a true accident and mm-hmm. i have so many moments um that i just know and you know we joke in our family we say i bet him and rowan and my sister brianna are up there just laughing at us right now yeah. you know <laughs> they're just these yeah. moments that they're mm-hmm. just undeniably with you. With you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but one of the things I, I wanted to share, and and this is kind of a, something that hugely impacted me um, that I will never forget, and I share with a lot of people, is um, as I remember when I, I lost my brother, and I remember um, my dad lived in Hawaii and my mom lived in North Carolina. And I remember having to make that call to them wow. to let them know that he had passed Ugh. away. Um, it's horrible. Or he hadn't passed oh away gosh. yet. He 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 was working at um, a family friend's house, and he it was it was a call that we got from them. Yeah. And he was up at Harborview, and we were told he only had a couple more hours to live. And I remember having to make that phone call to both of my parents. Um, but I remember being in the car driving up to Harborview, and it was rush hour, and there are all these cars on the road. And I remember thinking as I looked at the people driving next to me in this surreal moment, they have no idea what I am about to do. Mm-hmm. Right. They have no idea that I'm about to see my brother for the very last time. And that moment will always stay with me mm. because... It just goes to show that you never know what other people are going through. Yeah, you really don't. And um, and David Kessler even talks about that um, in his book, and it's my favorite quote in the book. It says, "Be kind, for everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about." 
That's and a great one. And it is so true. Oh, it really yes. is. And I think that if you keep that in mind, even um, for me, that's, I mean, like I said, it all ties together. And I feel like that even is part of Rowan's meaning, you know? Yeah. But if you just keep in mind that you never know what someone is going through. Um, and very true. And so uh, I had taken this book to Hawaii when I went to go visit my dad a couple uh-huh. of months ago. And my dad struggles with the loss of my brother because my my brother and I were his whole world. We were everything to him and he never remarried. And so I struggle because he he deals with the grief completely different than I do. Um, And it's really hard to bond on a common ground. And when we were over there, we we had decided to make these worry stones. Um, and I brought mm-hmm. a couple for you guys today. And we made them out of this Hawaiian olive wood um, that was in my dad's backyard. And it would take like two hours for one little stone to make. <laughs> and we would sit there and we'd polish what? it. And um, These are so cool. And I found that there was so much almost meaning and mm-hmm. purpose when my dad discovered this, um, wow. before it, I felt like it was very hard for him to find almost like this closure. And watching him, um, after I left Hawaii, uh, he had called me and he had spent like a whole week making like 50 worry stones or something. <laughs> and yeah. he ended up giving them out to people. Yeah. And, yeah. and the whole purpose is, is you know, you, you, you rub it to bring you comfort and um, and sharing it with someone. Um, when I had left Hawaii, I went, I was at the airport and I walked into the big courtyard in Kona at the airport, which isn't very big. But, um, you know, there's all these people and they're all doing their own little thing. And I look over and there was a girl probably in her early 20s that was sitting there writing in a book. And I'm gathering all my stuff after TSA, and I look over, and she is just crying, and she's trying to write in this book. And I, I was watching her, and she just kept on having to stop because she obviously was struggling with something. Mm-hmm. And I had brought, like, three worry stones home with me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, no, I think I brought four, and two were for my kids. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, oh. She really needs one of these. But then I thought, no, I can't do that. Like, I I just, I haven't even left this, you know, the state. I haven't even left Hawaii. And I'm already, you know. (laughs) Giving them away. I've been looking at her and there was just something. And so I went over there in pure me form, (laughs) um, like I did with Bryn. And um, I said, hey, I know this is probably really weird because you don't know who I am. But I said, um you look like you need some comfort. And I, I said, I just spent a week with my dad and we made these worry stones. And I want to give this to you to help you find comfort mm-hmm. in this time yeah. of whatever you're going through. And she started to cry even more. And then I started to cry as I hugged this complete stranger yeah. uh, prior the corona. And and she said, that is really crazy because I've been really, really thinking and missing my dad lately. Oh, wow. And she said, it's crazy how how hard grief could hit you. Uh 
And so I her said, dad was yes. passed. Yeah. He must have. I didn't want to like. I didn't want to yeah. get right. into this. Dive like, into the whole thing. Yeah. You know this yeah. like moment. But I wanted to be able to like, give her her privacy. But something must have happened. And um, she obviously was really, really, really struggling. And uh, and I said it is crazy. And I said. I have this book. Again, I don't yeah, read, but I yeah. had taken this one book to Hawaii. You sold more books than check. David Kessler has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I said, you know what? It is crazy how grief hits you mm-hmm. in the hardest ways because that's what she said. Mm-hmm. And I whipped out this book and I said, girl, I said, you need to read this book. I said, yeah. this has yeah. really, really, really helped me. Yeah. And she said, that is crazy because my girlfriend just recommended it. I said, oh, well, no then way. you need to get it. And uh, I said, it's all about finding meaning through grief. And, um, I, you know, I I hope that it helped her. And I, I hope that she was able to, you know, find some comfort. And mm-hmm. But uh, part of that was these worry stones. I mean, your meaning could always, it could constantly be coming through in your life. It's not like it has to be, you know, a year after. It's not like there has to be this set timeline, right? Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. it could be continuous. That's awesome. Well, that's a great way to end on that note. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Heidi, we really want to thank you for, for coming in. And sharing your story Thank with you us and uh, sharing some delightful tips and, and, and different things to get through stuff and just awesome story. Thank you so much for sharing. Have the courage to come on and, and do that. We really appreciate it. And just uh, being so real and yeah, open. I mean, yeah. I could listen to you for hours. So. I well, think... I could talk to you guys for hours. So <laughs> we might have to ask you yeah, that. Yeah, there might, there might have to be a part two. I would be honored. <laughs> You're yeah, very um, eye-opening. Yeah. You know, even from somebody that's obviously going through grief myself, like listening to your different versions and your experiences is very eye-opening and very, um, I don't know. It gives me a sense of comfort in its own way. Yeah. So well, yeah. I, I'm really, really glad. Yeah. I, Thank you for sharing. I feel like the same feeling goes for you. I think that what you are doing is what everyone strives to want to do after such a tragic thing and you're able to do that again i don't i think it would be hard for a lot of the people to do that and Mm -hmm. so having you as the outlet for the person to be able to do that um i think is it's refreshing and it's it it makes people want to be open and raw to you and i know that like one of your previous podcasts you've talked about how people will come in to your office that you never knew people that was, it was a grandpa to, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the babies or, and how they will just have diary of the mouth like I did, you know, and open up and share their stories. And it's because of the outlet that you have allowed for these people. That's so beautiful. It's so, very it's true. so beautiful. It's very true. I don't want to get yeah. emotional again, but oh my gosh, it's really yeah. just yeah. beautiful. Good yeah, thing that amazing. there's no camera in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Heidi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. Thank you.